Gotham City, like any other large metropolis, abounds in girls of all shapes and sizes. Debutantes, nurses, stenographers, and librarians. Gotham City Library, Miss Gordon speaker. Lopez hair removal, this is Jose. Holy transformation. One minute, plain Barbara Gordon, librarian and Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And the next minute, something new has been added. Batgirl, modeled after her idol, Batman. Holy apparition! No, Boy Wonder, I'm Batgirl. You are no longer alone, Cape Crusaders. It took me three years to track down the Jade Gato, and three more to figure out how to steal it. Funny, it only took me ten minutes to figure out how to snatch it back. No matter how you do it, crime doesn't pay girls. Sawate. I'm your host, Stella, and this is Bad Road to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon Podcast, episode 14 for November, MMX. Kimberly Rockmore has the night off. Episode 14 is brought to you by this public service announcement. Each moment, another victim is found. Each moment, someone else reaches the point of no return. Each moment, the danger increases. Hello. I'm Kimberly Rockmore, and I'm here to warn you about the dangers of the stupid stick. When you least expect it, you too could get whacked by the stupid stick. It is not contagious, but the effects of just one hit will change you irrevocably. Soon, stupid comments come flowing out of your mouth faster than Reagan McNeil can vomit split pea soup. You will lose friends. Family members will vanish from your sight. Your place on the honor roll will become a place on the no roll. Please, be cautious and stay far away from the stupid stick. No one can save you but yourself. Paid for by PASS, Parents Against Stupid Stick. Bad Girl to Oracle is also brought to you by MileHighComics.com, your new and collectible 
comic book store. Mile High Comics has an inventory of over 5 million comics from the gold, silver, bronze, and modern age, and over 100,000 trade paperbacks. An example of the prices that you may encounter is Detective Comics number 409, in good condition for $5.60, very good condition for $10.40, or fine condition for $17.95. If you're not into the vintage stock, Mile High Comics also has a subscription service called the New Issue Comics Express, offering a discounted price for comics ready to hit the shelves. Examples of the prices you may encounter are January's Batgirl number 18 and Birds of Prey number 9, both for $2.69. So, if you're looking for vintage back issues or a great modern subscription service, be sure to check out milehighcomics.com. Okay, so it is Friday night. Actually, I uh, just came back from watching Smallville. Had the, the creepy granny goodness on there and had to sod. So I was pretty pretty excited about that. We learned a little bit about Tess Mercer. And it actually jumped back. Um, or I guess it pulled some information from Season 1, which was really exciting. But anyways, enough about that and Smallville. Even though it does connect to Batgirl because... Brian Q. Miller, he wrote for Smallville, and we interviewed him here, and he writes for Batgirl, so there's one of those two degrees of separation. But let's just jump into, um, I guess, some issues of the day, questions and comments. Um, first of all, if you've been you know, keeping track of the website, uh, I do apologize. I don't update it as much as I normally have in the past, but I am slowly but surely trying to catch up, and of course I have wonderful people like Zias to point me out to really important news pieces and then I of course post it on there but at the end of October I went to a local comic convention and um, it's the same convention in which I got uh, Detective Comics number 359 uh, my prized possession and so I was really excited about going back I had my list with me and everything and actually I did not come away with as many um, Barbara Gordon things as I did the first time, but nonetheless, I was able to find a lot of great treasures. Uh, in the comics, I found Mary Jane, the complete miniseries. Um, it was a Marvel comics. Uh, they had Mary Jane, and then they had Homecoming, and then they had the first volume of Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane, and then the second volume. And it's one of those that if anybody asks me, what's a good comic for my girlfriend to get started on I would always recommend that and you know it's not just for girls I think a lot of guys really love it it's it's not just a teeny bopper thing it really delves into the character of Mary Jane and uh, quite different from what we're seeing now and I often say that um, even though my brother would kill me that he he loved um, reading those with me we were reading them one summer um, the digital comics online for marvel.com and he fell in love with those as well they're just so well written you really get into the characters so I got the complete miniseries that was pretty exciting uh, the complete miniseries of Kitty Pride and Wolverine I've recently gotten, in, gotten into the Kitty Pride character um, and so I've been trying to slowly build up um, my library of her um, appearances of course it's difficult when your main focus is Babs you know how to devote other time I also found Kitty Pride Agent of Shield that complete miniseries and it's so lucky that I found these complete miniseries because often it's very tough you usually find issues 1, 3, and 5 and then you're missing 2 and 4 and you wonder why 
and I found the Batman Superman Supergirl the hardcover and I got it for 75% off which is pretty exciting and I was interested in this once I saw it I thought oh wow well, I really liked the DVD the movie so why not read the actual source material and then rewatch the movie haven't gotten to that yet but I'm pretty excited about that the first volume of Iron Fist uh, hardcover and by first volume I mean of the most recent incarnation of him um, it was great the seven uh, I was kingdoms of heaven I believe it's called and um, so I'm excited to read that, reread it, I guess, and then The Watchmen, and it seems like an original um, uh, trade way back when, and I've never read The Watchmen, so um, I was excited to get that as well. And all three, the three last ones that I had mentioned, all for 75% off, so that was really great. I also found Batman the Animated Series Season 1 unopened for ten dollars and up to now I've been really trying to find the complete series they don't make it anymore you go on eBay astronomical if you get any good ones or if you find any of them that are under eighty dollars or usually eighty dollars by the end of the uh, the auction so I've just sort of been resigned to look for these individual sets so I found season one so I'm good there I found a Spider-Man plush which is currently hanging on my um, screen, uh, the the rope to the screen in my classroom. So I'm kind of short, and I usually have to go on tiptoe. So now I just kind of grab Spider-Man and pull him down. Some of my kids enjoy uh, him hanging there as well. Uh, and also, pretty exciting, I found a Batgirl plush uh, in the style of um, the Batman the animated series Batgirl. I just looked down at one point the same table that had. Batman the Animated Series Season 1, and there she was with a lot of... Uh, they had Mixia's Pitalik, um, and I think there was a Joker, too. I was not going to get him. That would not be kosher to have Batgirl plush next to a Joker plush. But I was just excited to get her, and so now she's she's on my desk, and um, it just reminds me of Cause Oracle. Uh, at her desk, she also has a Batgirl plush, which is funny. Uh, so now, you know, I'm kind of like Oracle in that way. So overall, I mean... Um, Oh, I also got, sorry not to forget, I, I just got two old issues, uh, Detective Comics number 42 and then Batman Family number 19. So I still came away with um, something for Batgirl, but everything else I was really excited to get, and I mean, all of that stuff for $52. So that's why, one of those reasons you should visit comic conventions, and of course this is one of those, those smaller ones, it's really just vendors, um, there's usually an artist there signing, but I never know is so I, I don't really uh, um, ask for an autograph or anything or pay for an autograph as the case may be but yeah so I mean I'm always excited to go there and um, always look forward to the next one okay so next up on the, the little list I have uh, to discuss um, holiday themed backgrounds for the Batgirl to Oracle message board it was Halloween Sunday and you know I was looking outside I was working on the computer looking outside of my window at the the, the beautiful surroundings having the fall leaves the nice uh, maroon and orange um, the plethora of colors outside and I and I was on the message boards actually and I was just thinking you know this background has been up for oh maybe six months or so I guess it started the spring of 2010 and you know 
this isn't really reflecting October and Halloween, so why not put it out there to get you guys, listeners, people who actually frequent the message boards, to make different backgrounds. Um, Holiday-themed backgrounds would be awesome, so, you know, if it's Thanksgiving and there's an awesome Thanksgiving one to put it up there, or Christmas, um, Valentine's Day, Easter, etc. And, you know, I'm just going to open it up and say any, any Batgirl would be awesome. Uh, Stephanie, Cassandra, you've got Batgirl. Or, I'm sorry, Barbara Gordon, of course. So, I mean, I know there are so many talented artists out there that listen to this that I know and I've actually met and talked with. So, I mean, just come up with an awesome idea and send it my way. I have some specifications and I've put them on my blog at least. Um, the, the current background has a resolution size of 1024 by 819. Um, and of course we can tweak that uh, and fix it. However, I mean, whatever comes out. And, you know, I was just thinking have something maybe that's um, oriented to the left just because the message board is actually in the center. But, like I said, we can tweak the HTML, hopefully, and fix it. Noctis and I. And, of course, you can email your submissions to me, batgirltooracle at gmail.com. And I really, I mean, I think this is an awesome way to work together and just really open it up to a lot of people and make the message board ours. It's not my message board, you know, it's for everyone to come together and discuss um, things that are going on in, you know, the DCU as well as more focused on bad girls. So I look forward to seeing lots of entries. I hope, I hope so anyways. Okay, next up also concerning the message boards, if you haven't noticed, Noctis is actually starting to do Batgirl Volume 1 reviews, so everything that's starring Cassandra Kane, and he's doing it on the boards, actually in the comics um, thread, and he's going into a great amount of detail, it's almost as if, you know, you can really see the images he's he's going almost page by page and then reviewing it and i'm really enjoying that because of course i've not really read anything uh with cassandra in it i have read um birds of prey catwoman batgirl i did read that but of course cassandra doesn't say anything in there which is funny um but yeah i'm just looking forward to more of that um he goes into such great detail that i know that he spends um a great amount of time on there just like the fellow reviewer Zayas does so definitely keep on the lookout for more reviews and of course like I mentioned Zayas always look for his reviews so well done um, and I always have to comment and say you know well done it never gets um, tiring for me to say that so yeah Batgirl to Oracle the message boards definitely the place to be if you've never been there you just go to Batgirl to Oracle dot com and welcome yourself, get a name, and join the family. Okay, the next bit of news, um, kind of exciting. I was about to say my birthday is next month, but no, my birthday is actually in nine days. But no, the show's birthday, can you believe it, is next month. It's almost been a year that I've been doing this, and if anyone is shocked, it is certainly me, because who knew that this labor of love would last for a year. So December 19th is the day. So however corny it may be, um, and it may definitely be um, copying some great shows like Spider-Man Crawl Space, Michael Bailey's views from the long box. I think I would like to do, or I know I'd like to do, a call-in show for Batgirl to Oracle. And so instead of fielding questions on the, uh, through my email or on SpiderManCrawlspace.com in my little section there, or 
on the message boards I would just like to set up um, an, a time and then you know however many people would like to join us then um, or join me I suppose just call in that day just add me on Skype that's right now as far as I've gotten so my Skype handle is capital B Batgirl to capital O Oracle so Batgirl to Oracle and you know just keep looking for updates wherever you normally find them either on Facebook on my website on Spider-Man Crawl Space on Twitter and I will keep you updated about that I do definitely want to find a time that suits um, a great amount of people because I do have friends that do not live in the United States so I don't want to come up with some random time that um, throws everybody off and has people awake at 3 in the morning but I think it would just be awesome to actually talk to people that um, listen to the show and you know get their feedback and I think it would be more personal that way so my goal because I always like to set goals here. My goal is to have five people call in. So if I can get five people, that'd be a victory. If I get any more than that, well, I just may faint. So five people. If five people call in, that'd be awesome. Mark it down, and uh, just look for updates. We're a month and a few days until we actually, a month and a week, I guess, until we get to that date. So that's pretty exciting. Um, yeah, I think that's all the bit of like personal news that I have. It's kind of funny because comic convention, I have this written down, and I, I have to remind myself, okay, I'm not talking about uh, San Diego Comic-Con 2011 because I've actually been considering this. This crazy idea popped in my mind when I was at this, this local comic convention that, you know, what if I just go to San Diego Comic-Con and I find Brian Q. Miller and I shake his hand and say, hey, it's me, Stella, it's such... A, you know, an honor for me to speak with you and actually meet him and get his signature. And I mean, not even only him, but all these other people that I could potentially find, maybe Chuck Dixon, Gail Simone, maybe I could actually see Bruce Tim. But um, it's such a financial investment, I don't know. But I do have a job now. Um, but it's just kind of on the radar. It's just on the radar. I'm not sure if I'm going to go yet. Um, I do have a few friends that have been several times and so I'm kinda talking with them and seeing you know how how does this work exactly but I'll keep you posted on that but in the news before I get to the questions because we do ha definitely have some questions and great ones at that there's a link that I will put up on my website and it will take you to a website called Project Rooftop and it's actually this group of 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 artists that actually um, redesign costumes for heroes, and it's pretty awesome. So they're, I think, I mean that they're in fashion design, and so I think this is on the side, kind of a hobby that they they come up with different designs for costumes, and what they actually do is um, reimagine the different Batgirls as Victorian era crime fighters, and it's pretty awesome. Um, they have Steph. Cassandra and of course Babs and of course what's funny is Babs has her <laughs> her weapons pouch so, or her weapons purse so it's kind of funny to see that again. I will definitely uh, post that on my site just because it is so fun. Okay also in the news the last thing and I guess it's not really news but 
my friend Kevin Cushion, Cushing, I'm sorry, Cushion, um, he's over at Spider-Man Crawl Space, and he also has his own podcast now, the Jeff Johns Cast. He sent me an idea that he um, was thinking about, and I think he was he was high on hallucinogens. No, I'm just kidding. No, a really um, fascinating and and really strong hypothesis of what this quote death of oracle end quote story could be okay and i just thought wow that's that's pretty awesome so you know would it be okay if i read this on my show and he said yes i'd be honored so here we go okay so what i was talking about yesterday gail simone was on the dc universe panel and got to talk about birds of prey a bit okay as an aside um kevin recently went to the new york city comic con and so um which was pretty awesome for him. I'm very happy he got to do that. And so that's what he means about the panel. Okay, back to the back to the actual uh, thing. They showed a slide of that cover for the first part of The Death of Oracle, with Batman standing behind a grave-marked Oracle. Gail mentioned the Death of Oracle story and said, This one's a game-changer. I'm serious. Her inflection seemed to mean she knew no one believed statements like, Nothing will ever be the same, but you would when you read it. She said it had major ramifications for the Bat Books and the entire DCU. And, of course, um, she has said this in um, more recent interviews as well, this um, ramification and major game changer. So here's my crazy, probably not going to happen, but would be awesome theory. It's called The Death of Oracle, Not the Death of Barbara Gordon. So, if we're to believe that title, it would be logical that Babs won't be Oracle anymore after this arc. So, what would cause her to give up that identity? Well, what if she regained her legs? And it's not so crazy. I think they've been seeding it for a while. Obviously, <laughs> there was the Oracle miniseries that ended ambiguously to where she might have been able to walk again, since they were at that time thinking of making her Batgirl. But then in Blackest Night Batman, she was possessed by Dead Man, and he was able to run and jump and kick in her body. Now, to my knowledge, that just isn't one of Dead Man's powers. He just possesses people. He doesn't make um, or remake severed nerves or reanimate dead muscle tissue. I could be wrong about that, but I don't think I am. Which makes me wonder if maybe that function already is back and she's just got some kind of mental block against it. Maybe brought on by herself or maybe the doing of some psychic villain. So maybe she breaks through that and is able to walk again. So the next question is, who or what does she become if she's got her groove back and isn't Oracle anymore? The groove back, wow, Kevin, I didn't even realize that the first, because the whole movie still got her groove back. Anyways, here's the crazy awesome part of the theory. Batgirl's already taken, and DC seems to be happy with Steph in the role, already talking about the next whole year of stories. Awesome. Batwoman's already taken, too, and is coming up on a high-profile relaunch. So what role is vacant and needed? Nightwing. Nightwing was always an essential part of the Bat family and indeed the entire DCU, as the writers explained to Didio when he wanted to kill Dick. Nightwing was the hero with ties to absolutely everyone, with all the major heroes re respecting him and thinking of him as a friend, or even mentor to the younger ones. But now Dick is just the other Batman, and DC keeps insisting he's going to save Batman for the conceivable future. Cough, cough, Captain America Bucky. Um, so I think they need a Nightwing. And who could fill exactly the role I just described? I can think of no one better than Barbara Gordon. And the role is not exclusively male. It wasn't the terrible Bruce Jones run in that title that everyone tries to forget. But there was a bre 
briefly uh, there was briefly a female Nightwing so the president is already there and they've gotten rid of the guy in the Superman books who was calling himself Nightwing so the role and the name totally <coughs> are free I think it would make so much sense and be a really awesome turn for the character and for the whole Bat family take out the blue energy crap and imagine there's red hair in that shadow and it totally works he sent me a picture of um, a night wing looking or esque um, character anyway back to reality Simone also said that after the death of Oracle Birds of Prey would have a crossover with Secret Six in which Huntress and Catman would finally have that date and the fur will fly oh dear and then she said Birds of Prey will cross with the other Gotham kick-ass female team the Gotham City Sirens so one way or another it's interesting times coming up and that's where he ends so I mean <clears throat> If you're like me, I was pretty um, enthralled with this idea, obviously about getting her legs back. And it's ironic because it was the last episode that somebody asked me, you know, would Babs take over the Nightwing cowl if Dick were to meet his end? And I thought, oh, probably for a while, but not for the conceivable future. And uh, so now this kind of idea that, you know, what if she does get her, her legs back and Oracle is gone and now we have Nightwing? So right now, I think it is awesome. I think that it is definitely time for Babs to, or at least I really want to see her stop living vicariously and do kick some butt with the Birds of Prey. If she is Nightwing, will she still be a part of the Birds of Prey? I surely hope so. But I do wonder what will happen. Who will fill, I guess is the better way to phrase this, the vacancy of Oracle. And that's the only thing that concerns me. And what concerns me is that the one person that could potentially fill this vacancy is none other than Wendy Harris, a.k.a. Proxy. And I do not think that she is ready for that yet. But... We have a little time until this happens. This starts coming out in January. Is that true? I think that's true. But, wow, that would be super intense. So, I mean, I really like, um, and it took me such a long time to get to this place emotionally, but I do really like Barbara as Oracle. I think she's found a good rhythm. I think that she has great chemistry with her, um, her teammates. I hope that it is written wisely, that she moves over to, to Nightwing, that is made believable, and that she has a purpose, and that she keeps a stronger relationship with the um, characters that she is so close to. If things like that start dissolving, then I will have a great problem. Um, with her being Nightwing and I do agree with you that Nightwing was the sort of uh, Brad Paisley <laughs> it's kind of funny Brad Paisley of of the DCU you know Brad Paisley he is friends with and knows all the country music uh, uh, singers and, and artists and I think Nightwing was the exact same way and of course Oracle even more so and I just don't want her to be kind of hemmed in that um, outfit and that persona and, and not be able to reach out to as many people as she could so uh, it's difficult to think of some of the stories that she's already been in and, and you know how would those change if she were Nightwing and not somebody else so like the previous um, 
the the road home bruce wayne uh oracle uh that was that would be difficult i would think for her to be nightwing and try to gather all those troops whereas oracle that was basically a a flip of the the switch so i think it seems like a great idea i'm a little scared for it but it it could open up a lot of um wonderful opportunities writing opportunities story opportunities so i guess we'll see plus if you imagine Night, Herbie, Nightwing. Oh dear, never mind. I don't even want to think about what I was about to think. It was, it was a romantic concept between her and uh, Dick Grayson. But then I just thought, no, because there's so many implications there. Because it'd be Nightwing and uh, Batman, and I, I just don't want to think about that. But anyways, <laughs> there you go. So thank you, thanks, Kevin. And uh, I mean, you'll have to let me know if you guys think that that is plausible and uh, if you would be upset that she's no longer Oracle or not. Okay, so enough of my rambling because sometimes it really does seem like I ramble. Let's go to the questions from you guys. Okay, first up, Steve Rogers. So, ever dress up as Baz for Halloween? I actually have not. Uh, I do have a good friend and he is in the 501st, so one of those intense... I was going to say factions, I don't know, groups, factions, um, and, and you know, they make their own costumes, but they have to get them, I mean, they have to be like really legit, and they, anyways, he's a, he's an awesome costume maker, and he has very willingly offered to make me a costume, I'm just kind of scared, I guess, because, I don't know, I just feel like I really have really high expectations for how I would really want to look, and um, make, however strange it sounds, make Babs proud in that costume, and I don't know if I'd be able to do it, but I think it would be pretty cool to have one all the same, so, and, and I, we actually decided, because we were talking about this, that I would try the, um, Batgirl Year One outfit, there were, um, particular aspects to that one that I really wanted, so I think I was going for that one. Okay, he continues, by the way, saw some women dressed at, as Oracle at New York Comic Con, complete with a wheelchair. Kind of didn't want to approach them out of fear of the, oh, so how far along are you? I'm not pregnant sort of awkwardness. Uh, I'm not sure what you're saying there. Were they, um, never mind. Okay, yeah, no, I, I, would, I would never probably go up to a woman and say how far along are you, unless you personally know them. So that's just that's just a uh, life lesson for anyone out there, any male out there. Okay. Cuz chances are you'll be wrong. <laughs> okay. Anyway, moving on from that point, what do you think of the chances are? What do you think the chances are of a Babs cameo or mention in the upcoming Batman movie? And if you've seen The Dark Knight, do you think that um the red-headed child, not the red-headed stepchild, mind you, with the a scene with the Gordon family and credited as unnamed Gordon child could be the future Batgirl slash Oracle. I do believe that it's Barbara. Whether she will turn into Batgirl or Oracle is tough to say. I do recall hearing Christopher Nolan saying there will not be a Robin in my movies. And then, of course, there was some sort of rumor where Robin would be started there'd be some sort of seed planted and then there'd be a teen titans movie but you really can't believe any of these rumors i would love to see batgirl in a uh, in a live action movie that was not alicia silverstone but if warner brothers are not going to make batgirl year one which i pray to god that they do i i, I don't know if, if they're going to spend 
ten times the amount of money it would take to make Batgirl Year One, the animated, uh, to make a live-action Batgirl. So I do definitely think that it's back, uh, Barbara, but I think that, I mean, it's so obvious, though, that no one was trying to stay away from that because they made the son, the commissioner's, his, I guess, prized um, prized child, and he was the one that was um, being held hostage by Two-Face and not her. So there you go. That's why I, I, yes, I do believe that was Barbara. Will she become Batgirl? I doubt it. I, I mean... I think we may be really old until they decide to take that leap of faith. Okay, and he finishes up. Also heard your appearance on Views from the Long Box with Michael Bailey, and you stated an opinion about Wendy Harris. That was back in March. Has your opinion of the character changed much with seeing her role in Batgirl? Yeah, I guess I should pimp Views from the Long Box, and not only because I was on it, because I was only on um, one, and I was so very happy to get on there. We talk about... um, Identity Crisis, which is one of my absolute favorite miniseries. But the fact that it's such a great show, um, and Michael Bailey has done so much to help me and this show, that definitely please check out Views from the Long Box. So I can't exactly remember what um, I said uh, verbatim, but since, but I, I, I imagine that it was along the lines of she annoys me, she is a pretty static character that seems to complain a lot, and um, I don't want her, you know, it seems like she's going to become another oracle, and Barbara is taking on too much of a mothering role, she already has staff, she doesn't need somebody else, and I think that Really, and, and hopefully if you listen to my interview with Brian Hugh Miller, um, you know, my opinion of Wendy really took a 180 um, in the end of the flood arc, and um, it's because she finally stepped up and um, really sort of dropped this this terrible... <laughs> personality and anger and self-consciousness that she had um, all because of this accident and of course even moving beyond um, moving beyond her um, father was such a big step and so now she's an actual character in my mind she's not this 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 entity that just complains all the time and she's actually doing good works and we're seeing her and Stephanie build a relationship however awkward that may be but it's a realistic uh, relationship so I'm not a huge fan of Wendy but I definitely respect her more than I have and um, I look forward to um, what uh, Mr. Miller has in store for her later and um, you know I, I think it's it's just goes to show you that you can't sell short characters without really getting to know them so I mean that took an entire year for us really to get to see the real Wendy Harris and so everything before was potentially that shell which which Barbara had as well and and you know to a certain extent Barbara still has that um angry shell and and the one that hates being in the chair so um I think for anyone that if you're starting to read it and you don't like Wendy Harris, you know, just keep pushing forward because we see that like Barbara Gordon, she does um, crack that shell. She is able to break from that and become somebody new. And, you know, her hairstyle even shows that with the the red uh, tips that she has now. So she's proxy and she's more confident and uh, she's definitely making her place 
um, in Batgirl at least. Uh, I do. I want to see how how much of a place she finds herself in the DCU. Of course, I say that. I wonder if I should knock on wood because will she become the new Oracle? Oh dear me. Oh dear me. That's that is a game changer, and that is such a game changer that I wonder if it's uh, if that is what's going to happen. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. But thank you very much for writing in, Steve. I hope you enjoyed your time in uh, at the New York Comic Con. I know you live in New York, so I hope you enjoyed your time there. Okay, next up we have TNR105. Questions for episode 14. I recently bought a few Blackest Night trades, and in an issue of Blackest Night Batman... Babs is possessed by dead man and is able to walk, let alone kick the butts of her attackers. Do you think that this was just dead man's supernatural abilities allowing her to walk? Or is Babs able to walk but has a subconscious block against it due to her low confidence, which was only broken under Boston Brand's influence? Another irony. Somebody asked this question just as our own Mr. Cushing comments on this. So I definitely agree with uh, Kevin here that I don't think dead man can physically alter problems in the body like if you had cancer he would not be able to cure it um if you had uh terrible eyesight he would have terrible eyesight just like you know when he goes into your body he's going to talk using your voice um so that's he's using your muscles uh to create the sound patterns rather than his voice pulling through and for that same reason i don't think that um he'd be able to push her to walk and it, it had already been teased a little bit that she was infected with the brainiac virus and she was able to wiggle her toes so i think that definitely there is um there's something going on and i think that there is a mental block block and i mean I think it's realistic that there is because if you've been paralyzed for so long and, and you don't really see the possibility of moving on and you're not practicing, practicing, practicing every day to try to, you know, move a centimeter of your toe, then you're going to basically think that you're doomed like that the rest of your life and, and uh, there's no changing. So just like Indiana Jones needed to believe that there was a bridge across those um, or across that valley in order to actually cross it, Barbara Gordon definitely needs to believe that she can walk again in order to do it. And, whoa, well, let's see if uh, uh, she'll be able to. Okay, next up. We know Dinah accidentally saw Dick's dot, 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 private parts. Yes, yes, she did when he was in the shower. But more importantly, we also know that Dick has had a few flings with Huntress. Do you think this would ever lead to an uncomfortable awkwardness with Babs and her teammates, especially Helena, around the time of Dick and Babs' engagement? Or would Babs be able to act professional, <laughs> professionally and let a f few comments slide despite her jealousy? Actually, I think the answer is kind of already, already been... Um, said if only in Batman right when Dick had started putting on the cowl Huntress is helping him out they were at a ball this was kind of a long time this was in the summer it, it was it was a while ago so I can't I'm a little fuzzy on the details but you know they were at a ball and Barbara happened to be there and then uh oh dear Huntress um kissed dick in order to uh kind of the let's kiss so it seems like we're doing something and and 
that we're not acting suspicious scheme, which always comes about in movies and things like that. And of course, very awkward time because she has an earpiece and she's connected to Barbara. And yeah, it's it's awkward for Barbara. And I I just remember I think there's one panel where the the three of them are just out there and and Dick I don't know is halfway between wondering why everyone is being awkward and and um probably I don't even know what Dick thinks half the time but you know Huntress and Barbara that is going to be really awkward um Dinah obviously would never cross that line but Huntress I don't know I think she's made some mistakes but I don't think she would do it if she knew how much Dick meant to Barbara I don't think I mean I don't know I say this now but I'm really hoping that nothing like that will happen again who knows I mean, in the end, they're they're good friends. They're practically family. They're teammates, and that's that's definitely going to go above and beyond um, any awkward relationship that Helena may have with Dick. Okay, next, TNR asks, when Barbara certainly, or while Barbara certainly looks up to Batman, we know that her idol role model in Batgirl Year One was Black Canary. Since Babs has certainly gone above and beyond, whose approval do you think meant more to her? Bruce was her respected teammate, but imagine if you ever became best friends with one of your childhood icons. This is a really good question and a tough one because, I mean, on several different points, you could say either of them. Um, just like Stephanie Brown, it was so important for her to seek the approval, well not really seek it, but get the approval of Batman, either Bruce Wayne or Dick. Um, it'd be really important for Barbara to get uh, the approval of Bruce Wayne. Um, without that approval, she'd never really be a part of the team, she never really would be a part of the family, um, she would be so lacking in resources, and I don't think she would ever fulfill a uh, would ever really fulfill the Batgirl mantle. On the other hand, definitely, I mean, her hero was um, Black Canary, and that was the reason why, you know, she snuck into the JSA headquarters in order to get her attention. I think your idol, um, being told you stink by your idol is going to hurt more than potentially a guy that you have no relationship whatsoever. Considering the importance which person was more important to be accepted um, in terms of uh, her actually becoming a superhero definitely Batman in terms of how would it most affect her not being accepted definitely um, Black Canary but I think it is it is awesome um, that Black Canary and her are best friends I think it worked out so well and I am very happy about that like I've said many times I love that relationship they're so great together um, great sisters and it's just fun sometimes to read out of context uh, issues that um, I think s I picked up all of the Black Canary wedding like one shots and stuff and I also picked up one with uh, the Birds of Prey and the cover is you know Babs and Dinah at a coffee shop and um, Babs is just laughing hysterically saying you're gonna marry him and it's just kind of and the face on Dinah's you know is priceless so yeah I think so I mean there's my answer is above I guess um, but yeah that's it's just tough I think in the end either either would be detrimental um, 
not having. But if you think about it, the way that she is portrayed in Batgirl Year One, she is so she has such a strong personality that in the end, if she received acceptance from neither, it she would still keep doing what she was gonna do. So if she didn't get any she'd still be that girl but it is I think important you know just for a character in order to respect them to have that sort of acceptance okay next up uh, it seems that Dick and Babs oh when Dick and Babs were younger they often fought laughable villains such as Crazy Quill and Killer Moth but when they each grew into the respective roles of Nightwing and Oracle they battled real threats like Deathstroke and Calculator Dick has been Robin Nightwing and eventually succeeded his mentor as Batman a great step in his character development Babs has been Batgirl and Oracle What's the next step for her, not only as a hero, but in the role of her characterization? Well, potentially, she remains Oracle for the foreseeable future. Potentially, she becomes, she gets her legs back, and she becomes Nightwing. Or she becomes a hero that actually does stuff. Definitely, uh, I mean, she needs to face herself. I don't think she's completely done that yet. She's battled herself for a very long time, but she needs to have an actual brawl with herself, with her emotions, with her anger, with everything she's dealt with in order to move on. It'd be great to see her face off against Cassandra Kane for whatever reason that was. Maybe Cassandra Kane has been mind-wiped. I don't know. Um, but it'd be interesting. Student-mentor. A student-mentor fight. Actually, I don't think I want to see that, but it'd be interesting nonetheless. It'd be interesting to see Barbara versus Joker. How would that go down? I have no idea. If she blasted him away, however wrong that would be, I'd be pretty excited. But, you know, the Joker is always Batman's thing. But uh, that's certainly something slash somebody she needs to overcome. So herself, the Joker, I think she needs to overcome those. She's already done Calculator, and that was a huge step this past year. If she were to fight one of her students for whatever reason, that'd be pretty intense. But um, it may be pretty good as well. But then again, like I said, maybe I don't want to see that. So so those are, yeah, very crazy, and uh, I don't know if those are clear answers or not. Okay, and then TNR ends. I know you have stated that you will cover Babs and other media incarnations, such as the cartoons and 60s series, but I also recommend you check out the 60s show reunion movie, Return to the Batcave, The Misadventures of Adam and Bert. While the framing story mainly involves Adam West and Burt Ward, the actual majority is a giant reenactment true behind-the-scenes stories, although we see the actors portraying younger versions of our heroes in tights. From, drama, from the drama of the actors losing their marriages and how Batgirl saved the show from cancellation with the third season, one such comical story is how Burt Ward took special pills to decrease... Decrease? The size of his, you know, oh dear, dot, 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 to make him not look awkward in the green undies. It also shows how Adam West, apparently as much of a playboy as Bruce Wayne, hit Yvonne Craig her first day on set and accidentally placed his hand on her bosom, oh my, during the filming of one scene, only to have his butt whooped. Craig was a dancer and actually had martial arts training. The film itself is a comedy, but not a campy one, as it's based off true events. I think it would be hilarious to have here... Oh, here you recap it with either Kevin or Berryman. There would certainly be fits of giggling. You don't need to spend the 10 bucks on the DVD. Here is a legal YouTube link um, to the film. Organize it onto a playlist so the scenes run seamlessly into each other and you don't notice it's split up into different parts. Highly recommend it. You will love it. I actually did... Um, I, I watched 
a little bit of it, and I thought it was fine. Just probably the first uh, two minutes or so. Um, so yeah, I would definitely uh, check that out and take it into consideration that it'd be fun to have a commentary on the misadventures. So definitely, yeah, I do have a surprise waiting listeners, but I don't think I will announce that until uh, December 19th, probably. So, what is that? Episode 15. But yes, I will uh, let you know then. Okay, and the last set of questions come from one of my good friends, Noctis. Hi, Stella, and greetings to all BTO listeners out there. Lately, I've read numerous blogs and message boards suggesting that DC should allow the Bat Books to have two Batgirls, just like how we're going to be having two Batmans. By doing so, we'd have two distinct yet familiar Bat Family teams. Team 1 would consist of Dick, Damien, and Stephanie, also known as DDS. I just made that up. And Team 2 would consist of Bruce, Tim, and Cassandra, or BTC. Um, And, of course, Tim is Red Robin, and Cassandra would be Batgirl. When we look at it this way, we'd still maintain that original Batman team-up. What are your thoughts on this? Should we have two existing Batgirls in the Bat family? Thanks again, Stella, for all your hard time, or your hard work, sorry, and dedication despite your busy schedule. Until next time, uh-oh, he's come up with a catchphrase here. Fight on, cast lovers, fight on. Well, 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 trying to bring dissension into my podcast. Um, oh, dear. You know, I've been thinking about this one. I, I, I go on walks sometimes, and when I walk, I like to think about things. I don't want this to happen, and there are reasons why. Okay, so I don't want to just say no and move on. First of all, I know how much you love Cassandra Kane, and this is not to spite any Cassandra Kane lovers, because I do, of course, love Stephanie Brown. It's actually because I respect Cassandra Kane, and I respect um, how much people love her and you know, for lack of a better word, respect her, that I don't think it would be a good idea to have this. When, well, first of all, when you're dividing up two teams like this, I feel like you're going to get readers to choose one or the other. And I think we need to find a And, you know, some people are right there like, no, no, you don't have to do that. But I really think that subconsciously, when you have two different people, that you're going to choose one. Right now, Captain America, there are two Captain Americas. There's Bucky, and then there's Steve Rogers. And I mean, Steve Rogers isn't technically, what is he? Oh, dear. What is his name now? Uh, Agent something now. Agent Pate, no. I can't tell you. But people have already made a decision as to which one they like best. I mean, Steve Rogers is Captain America, but I'm really liking Bucky. So right now, I would stick with Bucky. We have two Batman you're going to shoot Batman, sorry. We're going to choose which ones we like. I'm kind of going to go with the Dick Grayson one because I really like Dick Grayson. And then other people are going to go with Bruce Wayne because they say, well, he's the legitimate Batman. And I just don't know if it's fair to either Stephanie Brown or Cassandra to put two of them out there because people are going to choose them. And then the other one is just, I mean, going to lose um, a great deal. Um, and what, I mean... I don't know. I guess it's, I guess, giving too much, <laughs> giving too much to you know a fake character. But I just really think that someone would lose in the end. The second thing is I hate 
I just really do not like multiple comics for one particular character. We are already seeing this. I mean, Batman, that, that has existed so many times. Wolverine, the extent of appearances that he makes astounds me. We have this, the Avenger, there were three Avenger books. I'm still confused about this. Yes, for the most part, they are definitely well-written, but why three Avenger books? Is that necessary? Spider-Man. And I think, you know, that's cut down a little bit, but seriously, Spider-Man, so many. Deadpool, isn't he in more than one now? There are just so many books dedicated to, on one subject, dedicated to one character. And I just want one book. So one team, two teams is too much. It's too much. It's it's my colleague and the ma the math teacher across the hall. We have these building blocks, and and she's she tells me I'm just so overstimulated. There's so much stuff in my room that I have to do, and that's right. I just it's overstimulation. I do. I would like to say that I do really like these teams like I mean that's that's pretty cool like that um just this idea of dividing teams up it kind of it just rubs me the wrong way a little bit I want to see Cassandra Kane back but not in that capacity I mean it'd be awesome if maybe Cassandra Kane took up the Nightwing uh garb if if Barbara did not because I think she needs to come back but um I don't know. I just don't think that this is the way to go. And, you know, t to... I don't know if it's annoying to um, connect comics with with your um, real life. But I think, you know, those of you that have listened to Spider-Man Crawl Space, you know that I had in a, an immense amount of trouble starting at the school because all I heard for the first month was, well, Miss Marshall did this, well, Miss Marshall did this. Oh, do you remember that time, Miss Marshall? Miss Marshall, if you didn't realize by now, was my predecessor. And it was so vexing. It was so heart-sickening because, you, you know, you think, oh, my word, can I not get my own place? Is my name always going to be not Miss Marshall and not my actual name? So... It's hard to live up to the person, I mean, if they happen to be at the same school because she still works there uh, part-time. And then one night I came in, it was a Saturday night, and I come in, she's in my room now, it used to be her room, and she's going over the Aeneid with one of my students. And I thought, well, that's my job. And I was pretty incensed about that. But the fact of the matter, how am I, yeah, I know, you're wondering, how does this connect here? If Stephanie were to turn around and see Cassandra Cain, that's, I mean, that's like the same exact thing. You see your predecessor right now. You turn around and that's who you see. And I know that they were really close, but I think that that would still be really hard for Stephanie. So, right now, no. I would definitely, that's, I mean, the short answer is no, I would not like it. I think that it would just not work out for some of these characters. I would definitely like to see Cassandra came back, and I would definitely support her. If you were wondering, I would buy uh, a book if she was in it. But I think that she deserves something more, and it would just be hard. I just don't think that it's a good idea to make readers choose between two bad girls. Let's hope that that's not what happens. Or I will be forced to pick up another book, I guess, and then... I mean, then my choice has already been made. I'd be on the side of Stephanie. So see, now Cassandra has lost. So it would just be unfortunate. Okay. So I just took off my librarian cap. I put on my domino mask and purple cape. 
and actually just put away a killer moth behind bars. So I am all ready to get started on the reviews, and it seems like I've got a lot to get through. So <laughs> I will just uh, dive right in. So first up, Detective Comics number 408, The Phantom Bullfighter. It came out in February 1971. Writer Frank Robbins, penciler Don Heck, and inker Dick Giordano. Also included in this issue is The House That Haunted Batman. In order to acquire the manuscript of Fighting Bulls and Men by Alan Termagant for the Gotham Library, Barbara Gordon travels to Madrid, Spain. There she is the guest of Don Alvarado, owner of the manuscript and a ranch which raises the toughest bulls in Spain. Alvarado takes her to see the subject of the manuscript, a bullfighter named El Granados. However, El Granados is upstaged during his bullfight by a young bullfighter named Paco. This causes some drama and brings El Granados's dwindling skill as a bullfighter to light. That night at Alvarado's ranch, Barbara is awoken by the arrival of a strange bullfighter hiding in the shadows. Zorro? Following the figure as Batgirl, she sh soon finds that the bull El Diablo, El Numero Uno for El Granado's next fight, has been killed. Finding that Granado's sacred sword was used as the murder weapon, Barbara begins to speculate who may have killed the bull. This story is then continued in Detective Comics number 409, Night of the Sharp Horns. This issue came out in March of 1971. The writer is Frank Robbins, penciler once again Dan Heck, Don Heck, excuse me, and inker Dick Deer, Dick Giordano. There we go. Also included in this issue is Man in the Eternal Mask. Can so continuing from the last issue as Batgirl. Uh, Bab sets out to search for a clue and stop the phantom bullfighter from striking again the next night. As expected, that night the mysterious bullfighter returns once again, this time attempting to kill El Numero Dos. After mistakenly attacking Paco, Batgirl soon finds the real phantom bullfighter and engages in a battle against him and an enraged bull. Quickly defeating the phantom, he is unmasked and revealed to be... Bum bum bum... Manolo, a retired bullfighter and guardian of El Granados. Confronted by El Granados, Manolo explains that he was killing bulls in the hopes that his master would no longer put himself at risk bullfighting. With everything straightened out, Batgirl fades into the night, leaving the two to wonder who she really was. Okay, so this is, or I guess these are, you know, those issues where it's really difficult to come up with something to say about it. It was not good, nor was it on the same poor level of Batgirl's costume cut-ups, but I find myself wondering what was the point of the story. Okay, well, I'll start with the positive. It was definitely nice to see Babs going to a foreign land. This is the second time that Babs has had to travel due to her occupation as a librarian. And I really find some of these moments mirroring Steph's college life in the modern Batgirl issues. I also like the fact that the mystery was not solved as quickly and easily as it could have been. Paco was a real red herring that really threw readers off of the correct trail. Now for the negative. I was bored. 
I couldn't even find a fun quote. Now, that's really atypical of this podcast. I always come up with a good quote for all the issues. I find myself really wanting to get the issues read as quickly as possible. Neither of them really kept my interest. This could have been a Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys mystery. Instead, it was a Batgirl mission. In my opinion, Batgirl stories really need to be tailored for her, Batgirl, not something ordinary that any character could solve. I really also wonder why Batgirl took her costume at all. This is not like Babs' traveling to Smallville, where people know who she is and she could get away with being a vigilante there. She's in a foreign country, and frankly I didn't see a passport uh, stapled on the back of her cape. But anyways, I, I don't really think that people would know uh, who she is at all. Oh, and of course, there is clearly some Clark Kent syndrome going on here. How would people not catch on that Batgirl is Babs if Batgirl appears in Spain at the same time as Barbara Gordon? Who could she have been? Who knows? Is all we are left with. We could also use the answer, who knows, when asked why this story even exists. Now, I don't want listeners to think it was poorly written, but I just don't think that it was a good story. Does that make sense? Okay, well, I give this issue, or this pair of issues, 4 out of 10 bats. I hate giving it a lower score than Detective Comics number 371, but at least the latter kept my attention. Okay, well, after this short break, I will review Batgirl number 14 and Birds of Prey number 5. See you soon. He went away, and you hung around, and bothered me every night. And I wouldn't go out with you. You said things that weren't very nice. My boyfriend's back and you're gonna be in trouble. Hey, la, hey, la, my boyfriend's When you see him coming, better cut out on the double. Hey, la, hey, la, my boyfriend's back. You've been spreading lies and I was untrue. Hey, la, hey, la, my boyfriend's back. So look out now, cause he's coming after you. Save my 
Okay, welcome back. I jumped onto my small-scale time machine from the movie The Time Machine, as seen in The Big Bang Theory, and I have now traveled to 2010. And first up, probably the best issue of this month, Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Batgirl. Writer, Brian Q. Miller, art, Perry Perez, and colorist, Guy Major. Like a Lay's potato chip, it was really hard to pick just one quote. So here is uh, just a short scene that I uh, picked out. Okay, so Stephanie is talking to Barbara as she is fighting um, Insider, okay? Heat vision, lantern power. Oh my god, I'm fighting Amazo. That isn't Amazo, Batgirl. Oracle, he just turned invisible. Amazo. Nope. What if he starts to make him mimic me? Unless he starts cracking wise and accidentally exploding people, you can rest assured you aren't fighting Amazo. Fair. Flashback to the near beginning. Spoiler argues with Batman and Robin, wondering why she cannot help catch her father, Clue Master. Present day. Steph narrates to Oracle as she watches a figure in black, unnamed here, but he calls himself spoiler the insider as she watches him take out security at wayne tech when steph actually gets into a physical altercation with insider she believes that he is a mezo that crazy robot that can imitate anyone's power insider evades batgirl all the while narrating as if he knows her pulls off his mask and reveals to the readers that suspense it is bruce wayne Later, Steph and Babs are talking about the altercation in Babs' office. Insider was too much for Batgirl and the dynamic duo. It looks like it's time to call on the birds. Oh, did you think that meant you as well, Steph? Sorry, no. Stephanie promises Babs that she will stand down. Oh, wait, I crossed my fingers. Rogue Steph, with a little help from Proxy, follows some leads to Crime Alley. Proxy discovers that a super intense gun has been stolen. One with the ability to pass through objects until it reaches a certain temperature. I should specify that one with the ability to shoot bullets that can pass through objects until it reaches a certain temperature, until it cools down. Flashback to an emotional moment with Steph as Robin. Flash front. Steph finds herself surrounded by some unsavory characters with an invisible Bruce watching and critiquing. Luckily for her, she easily defeats the thugs. Steph later goes to a dedication, trying to save Tim Drake from a potential bullet. Proxy leads Steph to an off-site location where Insider stands several feet away from a gun and watches a video of the dedication. As Steph confronts Insider, she realizes that there is more going on than just an assassination. Revelation. Insider is Bruce Wayne. Smack. Steph hits Bruce Wayne. Regret. Oh god, oh god, oh god, oh god. Run away. Welcome back from the dead. Redheads meet in a parking lot, every boy's fantasy. Vicky Vale accuses Babs of being Batgirl and demands information. Back to Batgirl. Sitting on a roof with a visitor watching her, Steph takes a deep breath, no circular breathing needed, thanks, and explains that she finally found where she belongs and that she refuses to give up being Batgirl. Bruce accepts this, willingly, I say, and, dare I say, with pleasure, and later meets with Alfred in an alley. Stranger danger! Bruce states that he will still be keeping an eye on Stephanie and Wendy. Alfred questions the need for testing Steph. Bruce then explains that Steph needed the test. And Bruce finally reveals everything we ever wanted to know about Cassandra, albeit not very much. Well, 
If you have been listening to this podcast for the past 13 episodes, first of all, bless you. You already know that the only way I would not love this book is if I were blind or could only read primitive wall paintings colored with poo. None too surprising, Miller hits the ball out of the park. Thank the Lord that he answers the question, how does Bruce Wayne's return impact Steph? I love the fact that Miller flashes back to pivotal moments in Steph's history and uses Bruce's dialogue as a way to compare Steph to others and to discover slowly that Steph is her own person and has already done a lot of growing. The fact that Bruce says that Steph needed the test is really brilliant. Steph, while she's been back row for around six months comic time, I do not think that she truly accepted the title of Domino Daredevil until she was faced with the prospect of losing it. Only under these circumstances did she realize that she is the right or she is right where she needs to be. Okay, so I probably can't really say whether Bruce never believed in her as Spoiler or Robin, or he just wanted to push her, but I think Steph finally got the acceptance that was so important to her. Well, I think Steph really became Batgirl in issue number 7 for everyone in the DCU. She's definitely Batgirl now, and I think no one can take that away from her. There were so many cute moments in here that I would just simply annoy you by trying to name them all. Steph slapping Bruce, the wonderfully written interactions between Steph and Babs, and Steph's acceptance of her quirky and sometimes inopportune style. I love these particular lines between Steph and Babs. Okay, Steph, I wouldn't really call it a close call per se, Babs. Then what would you call it? Steph, a teachable moment, Babs, a teachable moment, Steph, not something that you can plan for, but rather a fleeting opportunity that must be sensed and seized by the teacher, Babs, did you sign up for a class in canned responses without telling me, Steph, nah, ping pong Tuesdays with an education major, love it, it's also so close to my real life because uh, currently the school that I'm working at is having a ping pong tournament, um, a separate one for the faculty and the students. And just as a, a brief story within this little segue, so I was signed up and I found out only two other female faculty members were signed up. And then one of them, my mentor, dropped out because she said, there are only three of you, I'm not going to play. So then there were only two. So I sent out this um, this email and every day we get these emails called heart smiles and it's just like little little things um, that either people hear from students that are really uh, really nice or make you happy yeah just just little notes that um, make you happy or really cute like kids say the darndest things kind of thing or just oh wow you know God works in mysterious ways that kind of thing and so I sent out and the subject of this email was heart tear and then I said all these things about you know oh I'm really depressed my XX uh, fellow chromosomes, you know, they're not signing up, and I gave them some reasons why. I said, you know, the biology department, they should at least, they could at least have some sort of mild breakdown and envision the ping pong ball as a unicellular organism and try to dissect it. I said the English department could write a sonnet about it, basically giving people reasons why they should sign up. Ended up, and it ended up that around 11 women signed up, and we had more than the men. So I was pretty, pretty stoked about that. Unfortunately, I lost my round one, but it's double elimination. So I'm about to duke it out with my 
um, my cohort across the hall, she teaches 7th and 8th grade math. And I learned from my last experience that it's not a good idea to trash talk because bad things happen. So I have not said a word to her, so I'm ready, but I'll keep you posted on that. But now back to the review. Sorry about that. Hopefully that wasn't terribly boring. Okay, so this, this ping pong tournament, uh, this scene that I just narrated, you know, this little anecdote, even even my little story pointed from the outside, it reminds me that Miller does a wonderful job incorporating bits of Steph's outside college life into the story, even though she was not long outside of the costume. I mean, we saw Steph as Steph uh, a lot this issue. Seeing two different si- lives of Steph is really a reason why this book works so well. Ah, yes. And Babs must certainly be rubbing off on Steph. If you've noticed, and I can't tell you what page it is, uh, it's when they're in the office. Similar dress style. Both have a vest over a shirt. Looks looks kind of funny, like it was twin day, which we had at school recently. Um, you know, the stir- this story um, was certainly about redemption, I think, in the eyes of someone that she may have failed, but she is no longer that particular girl. She's not the daughter of Cluemaster anymore. Not Spoiler, not Robin. She's Stephanie Brown, bad girl. Oh, uh, yes. And as a postscriptum, the art was well done. And there were some moments that just had me staring. And let's not forget that we are given some information concerning Cass that is enough to wet anyone's palate. Oh, Mr. Miller, you devil, you. I give this, for the second time in a row, 10 out of 10 bats. Next up, not in the same league here, Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, Oracle, number one. Writer, Mark Andreco. Artist, Augustin Padilla. It could be Padilla. Color, Art, Brian Buccellato. Despite my complete bafflement at was slash is going on, I will indeed review this book. Let's just say that it is difficult reading an issue like this inside of a vacuum. Meaning that besides Batgirl, I did not pick up any of the other The Road Home one-shots. Continuing his narration via the white casebook, the insider, spoiler alert, a.k.a. Bruce Wayne, explains that Barbara Gordon was one of the people he knew would soldier on when he left. Babs hacks Insider's frequency in order to speak with him. He happens to be in an undisclosed location with Vicki Vale, protecting her from an uncertain demise. Babs lets him know that the seven men of death are looking to take advantage of the bounty on Vicki Vale's head. While Insider decides to move Vale to someplace safe, Oracle readies several teams in order to act as a distraction for the seven men of death. As Oracle decides which reserve members to contact, she realizes that the insider is indeed Bruce Wayne. She then thinks back to a time closely following the Joker's fateful gunshot, groan, where Bruce visits her in the hospital and urges Babs to overcome this recent travesty and press on. We see Babs begin to train and ultimately set up the watchtower. Back to the present. As two teams, Batgirl, Hawk, and Dove on one, Ragman, Man-Bat, and Manhunter on the other, bait the seven men of death and keep them off the trail of Insider and Vicky Vale. As these fights go on, Insider gets a nice present from a bazooka. Happy Christmas to you. 
Down but not out, Insider subdues one of the seven men of death and finds out that Ra's al Ghul put the price on Vicky Vale's head out of respect for his foe Batman. Wait, what? What kind of backwards respect is that? It's like Medea killing her kids to get back at Jason. Hello? They're your kids too. Anyways, the seven men of death are defeated, but as Vicky Vale reaches a payphone and contacts Alfred, she is captured. This story is then continued in Bruce Wayne The Road Home, Ra's al Ghul, which I don't have, so I can't help you there. Okay, so I was not really impressed with this issue, and the reasons have nothing to do with the fact that I had no idea what was going on up to this point, besides Batgirl, of course. Now for the big complaint. Bruce Wayne, The Road Home, had one purpose, and I quote, The event deals with the return of Bruce Wayne and the effect that it has on a number of Gotham's heroes and villains and the impact upon Dick Grayson, who has been using the alias Batman since Battle for the Cowl. End quote. Okay, so where in this issue is this impact on Barbara, someone who has shared such an important part of Bruce's life? We get a thought process that seems to have come from the ADD part of Bab's mind. Hmm, Insider is familiar. He talks and behaves like Bruce. Ooh, he must be Bruce. Backflash. We then get a backflash that, while it may be sentimental and well-written, speaks of the past and Bruce's role in her life so many years ago. Finally, we see Babs revealing to Insider that she knows, but he does not allow any discussion on the topic. Throughout this entire issue, we do not see the impact of Bruce literally coming back to life. After losing a father mentor, Babs would have had a more obviously emotional reaction. For a potentially important one-shot, this turned out to be something I could have read on Free Comic Book Day. This entire issue fell flat, and I find myself asking, W-I-G-S. Where is Gil Simone? Uh, five out of ten birds. Yikes. I, let's hope that this never, that this issue, that any of these ever reach that point. Again, five out of ten. Ooh. Okay. I'm not going to go into it in, a great, in great detail, but I did also pick up DC Universe Halloween Special 2010. I hope a lot of you did as well. The... Holiday specials are always good. They always have, um, usually have Halloween and then a Christmassy one. And of course, this one was especially special uh, because Brian Q. Miller uh, was writing one of the stories. So, as a breakdown for the stories, um, one of them, Batman, was in Trick for the Scarecrow, written and drawn by Billy Tucci. Batman and Robin and I dot 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 vampire were all in Robin the Vampire Slayer, written by Joe Harris and drawn by the wonderful Lee Garbit. Flash and Frankenstein were both in Time or Your Life, written by Alex Segura and drawn by Kenneth Lowe. Wonder Woman and Dead Man were in A Night to Remember, written by Vinton Huke and drawn by Dean Zachary. Teen Titans and Clarion the Witch Boy were in Medusa Non Grata, written by Brian Q. Miller, drawn by Trevor McCarthy. And Superman and the Demon were in Fears of Steel, written by Brian Keane and drawn by Stephen Thompson. First of all, something I, I just thought about is, I wonder if uh, Mr. Miller had this 
wonderful title planned out already, or maybe because he knew I'm a Latin teacher now that he used Medusa non grata. Perhaps I will ask him that um, if he comes back on the show, which I'm very hopeful that he will. Uh, it's also funny, if you look in your table of contents, uh, so it's, it's probably the first page on the right that you actually open the cover, and there it is. The little fallen leaves explain which classic DC characters were created by whom. Of course, you have um, Bob Kane, you know, Batman created by Bob Kane. One leaf proudly explains the demon created Jack Kirby. Yes, not created by Jack Kirby, but created Jack Kirby. And I don't know if that was a typo or what was going on. Freudian slip? Who knows? That was kind of strange. Um... So yeah, these are always fun stories. Um, I mean, they don't normally impact the DCU at all. They're just, you know, little snippets, short stories. And I think definitely my favorite this year was the Batman story, Trick for the Scarecrow. And it was the very first one um, out of the issue. And I really enjoyed the art. It was all a shade of orange, which was pretty cool. I enjoyed it. And then it was it was just funny and, and great to see two kids dressed as Batman giving Scarecrow literally a dose of his own medicine. So if you didn't pick it up, I was just going to say maybe it's on sale now, but comics don't really go on sale, do they? 50% off your comics? No. But if you didn't pick it up, perhaps borrow somebody's? I don't know. If you have a pen pal in a different country, maybe they'll send it to you? Who knows? Okay, so that ends the, the review portion. If you didn't get it by now... I would say that you should be picking up Batgirl. So, 10 out of 10. Two episodes in a row. And um, the best out of all these issues that I reviewed. So, definitely, give it a try. Okay? So, now on to my literary recommendation. My literary recommendation is Night by Eli Weasel. Night is a terrifying account of the Nazi death camp horror that turns a young Jewish boy into an agonized witness to the death of his family, the death of his innocence, and the death of his God. A true story and based on the actual experiences of Eli Weasel before he turns 15. Uh, One of the more powerful quotes that I pulled from this. Never shall I forget that night, the first night in camp, which has turned my life into one long night seven times cursed and seven times sealed. Never shall I forget that smoke. Never shall I forget the little faces of the children whose bodies I saw turned into wreaths of smoke beneath the silent blue sky. Never shall I forget those flames which consumed my faith forever. Never shall I forget that nocturnal silence which deprived me, for all eternity, of the desire to live. Never shall I forget those moments which murdered my God and my soul and turned my dreams to dust. Never shall I forget these things, even if I am condemned to live as long as God himself. Never. A short read. Um, I think it's a little over a 100 pages. Uh, It's such a powerful and emotional ride, and it really brings you closer to the horrors of the Holocaust than probably you may have ever been. Um, I'm actually looking forward to doing my um, faculty devotion. If you were not aware, I'm actually teaching at a Christian school. So uh, we do devotions in the morning with other faculty members. Each person does their own. I have mine on April 6th, and I'm 
it's going to be hard to come up with something, but I, I was just impacted so much by this uh, this novel here that I would like to do a devotion on it. Still working on that one, but uh, I think it's going to connect to Esther, but I won't uh, bring religion into the podcast. I know that it's a, it is a dividing point. So anyways, we'll move on from this. So I do have two other recommendations that are not uh, literary. First is the movie How to Train Your Dragon. Please give it a try. Go to Redbox. If you're in a foreign nation, I don't know if there are red boxes over there. But just rent it. I would say that if you bought it, it would not be a waste of your money. I got it first day. It is perhaps one of the best animated movies that I saw from the year it came out. That was 2009. It's a DreamWorks production. I would argue that it is better than Shrek. I would say that it's up there with some of the Pixars that go on. It is wonderful, and it makes me cry every time I see it. For some reason, I always tear up at certain parts, but it is wonderful. Please take my recommendation. The other thing I would like to recommend, I always feel bad because there are people out there who listen to my podcast. Bless you for the second time. And they have podcasts, and I so want to support them. And I do in little ways. Um, I definitely try to pimp them out whenever I can, uh, you know, recommend them to other people or um, put a link on my actual website. But I haven't been listening to them. I don't think I've listened to podcasts for, well, I guess it hasn't been too terribly long. I I was listening to views when uh, I studied Greek. I don't think I ever said this on this podcast. But yeah, when I studied Greek, going through the forums and everything, I would actually... Uh, listen to views. So it's been since May, I guess. And I decided, you know, Thursdays, I don't have to teach until one ten. I have planning up to them. So I'm going to, on Thursday, start listening to podcasts. And I, because I really want to listen to the Batman universe because they're so supportive and I've already listened to a few of them and they're, they're definitely high quality. And the Clone Saga podcast because... I have uh, a great number of friends on there, and of course, like the sister, or well, I guess it'd be the brother, I apologize, Zach, the brother to Spider-Man Crawl Space, and I, of course, have listened to um, a few of those episodes, but I decided to try something new, and I decided to try the Amazing Spider-Man Classics podcast, and this is uh, top-notch production, um, John, J-O-N, uh, Josh Bertoni, and Donovan are all um, on the uh, on the seat. I don't know if it's changed. I'm only on episode four right now, so if they've included more people, I apologize. But it's a wonderful production, and they're actually going from the very beginning. They started with Amazing Fantasy, and now they're actually going from the beginning of um, Amazing Spider-Man. And uh, it's just fun. It's fun to listen to the old-timey stuff, and I mean, hey, that's what I'm doing here. So I feel akin to it in many ways so definitely they are on libsyn.com and had I had the foresight I probably would have put a link there here let me let's see here have a browser up amazing spider-man classics amazing spider-man.libsyn.com so I definitely recommend it of course it's on iTunes as well so that may be maybe much easier but they support me and uh, definitely, I never turn a blind eye to people who support me, and I support them back. So I hope you check that out. 
along with some of the other ones that I just dropped. But I am hopeful that this Thursday I will also listen to something. I'm thinking maybe the Batman universe may pick something up. And I actually did a, um, I guess here's a little, well, I guess it's egotistical of me or narcissistic of me. But I just did a podcast for... I don't know if it's like a subsect of uh, the Batman universe. It's still involved with them, but they do reviews. It's like an extra um, extra part. And so they do, I'm sorry, not reviews, but commentaries on movies. And I just did one with Donovan, the aforementioned Donovan, and Josh. And we did one on Batman, Mystery of the Batwoman, that animated movie that came out in the early 2000s, I believe, before the Batman um new series came out so you should check that out if you support me and if you don't get enough of me on this okay um so final comments um if you're new to the podcast welcome um come on over to my website uh it's at batgirltooracle.blogspot.com or even join batgirl to oracle the message boards you can also, there's a little thread there at spiderman crawlspace under the comic section for batgirl to oracle you can always send me questions or comments. Still, my email still does work. Uh, our friend Noctis, he sent me a question via email, so I appreciate that. My email is batgirltooracle at gmail.com. You can also donate money if you would so, um, if you so wish. Um, <laughs> continue to sign the petition to get Batgirl Your One back into production. That'd be awesome. Um... You know, I, I I feel like I don't have to spit that out again, but I will. www.gopetition.com slash petition slash batgirl dash year dash one dot html. It's funny because after we wrapped up the commentary on Mystery of the Batwoman, and you know, of course, I've been considering San Diego Comic Con, and I said, you know, Josh, I wonder if I would have the the kahunas or the cojones, however you pronounce it, if I were to see Bruce Tim to go up, shake his hand, and say, "Hello, sir, I'm the one who started that petition." But it would be wonderful to see the creators there, and perhaps I don't know, put a name or a face to the name for myself, anyways, and and maybe drive that home and see how it's going. Also, please remember to add me on Skype. Uh, you can find me. At Batgirl, capital B, two, little t, Oracle, big O. Um, that way that you can call in. Remember, my goal is five people. So, hey man, if I get five people, I will consider it a victory and I will feel very blessed. I will seriously consider the time in which I will make this podcast because I know that I have um, friends that are in other places. I have a good friend that's in Vancouver. I have a good friend that's in England, okay? And I know that you guys, you're listening from everywhere, which blows my mind. I meet such wonderful people all the time. So, hopefully, I will pick a good time, because I know there are time differences. We don't all revolve around uh, Eastern Standard Time. Uh, And once again, of course, thank you to Mile High Comics, for sponsoring Batgirl to Oracle, the Barbara Gordon podcast. Okay, until next time, friends, fly on, Babs lovers. Just plain Barbara Gordon, masquerading for a lark as she rides into the night on her special Batgirl cycle. Who knows? Is the dynamic duo destined to become the triumphant trio? Only time will tell us more about this dazzling dare doll...
love a happy ending, don't you?